welcome back to Unclassical. And this week we are kicking it off with Agatha I'm, I'm telling the story. Like, I'm telling the story I'm quite t- literally. I was I'm... reading it upside down. I was like, I don't remember what this was called. <laughs> I'm Marsha. I'm Katie. And yeah, we're back and literally just had like a mini like episode before pressing record. Because I was like, what do we do? It's been like, I think it's been like three weeks by this <gasps> point. Because um, our brother selfishly had a birthday the day we were going to record. And I did not factor that in. Um, yeah, that's the reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to record on Tuesday. That's what I was tired. <laughs> nah. Anyway, 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 we are back. And as Katie said, for Nikki, our amazing patron, that is a kidney less, but a whole lot of goodness more. I'm fucking there. <laughs> a, kid- a kidney less. <laughs> for good reasons. You're a kidney less. Hey, you're... Just using them over there to poison them with alcohol. What are you doing? I do love to drink alcohol. <laughs> anyway, this is for Nikki, Agatha Christie, the murder of Roger at Croyd. And it is a Hercule Poirot. Do you know Hercule Poirot? I don't know what a haiku is. <laughs> when you said haiku, I was like, not what, who? It's the dragon from Spirited Away. And I was like, wait, wait no, it's not. haiku. <laughs> Oh, to give him his full full name, Kohaku River. <laughs> okay, you know it too. Well. Okay, I fucking love Spirited Away. I think yeah, it's, it's a great film. I, it is great, but I feel it is 35, 40 minutes too long. Oh, have you watched any other Studio Ghibli films? Yes, My Neighbor Totoro. My Neighbor Totoro kind of is, is a bit of a shorter one, but they keep I, sh- doing shots of the little girl's butts. Yeah, it's weird. Um, but every other Studio Ghibli film, I swear. There is no plot. It's just seven hours of... <laughs> oh, that's quite nice. That's nice. It's Princess, Princess Mononoke, Ghibli. It is, but I haven't seen that in a very long time, so I can't remember it. Same. Also, Howl's Moving Castle has a bit more of a plot, whereas I feel the reason that everyone knows Spirited Away is because it's the only one which actually has, like, a, a linear line. narrative. <laughs> but I still think it goes off a little bit at the end. I mean, it, it, it 100% does, yeah. but, but that's as good as it gets. <laughs> so if we're liking it, that's what we're liking. Anyway, from Studio Ghibli... Ghibli? Oh, so it's Ghibli. Ghibli, back to you. But I, I also can't pronounce um, a gyne- gynecologist, so what the fuck do I know? A giant gynecologist? You did say it's a gynecologist. But I wanted to say gynecologist. <laughs> you know how I, I say it, corridor, which apparently is proper farmer. Does it sound yeah. farmer to you? Corridor. Corridor. It's pretty so farmer. I'm like, oh yeah, it's just around the corner. If you go down the corridor. Yeah. <laughs> I don't how I say it yeah. and um, yeah we had a thing where some teachers came to look around the museum the other day and I was like oh yeah the toilets are just down the corridor corridor <laughs> corridor I was like don't want people to take a piece out of my accent I um, I was singing along to the Mean Girls um, soundtrack from the musical check mm. it out um, the other day and you know it's like my name is Regina George yeah. Fuck, fucked up and just went, my name is Regina George. <laughs> they got a right set Regina. <laughs> Regina George was not as popular as her sister Regina. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Agatha Christie. So the murder of Roger Ackroyd was published originally in 1926. It's a long time so, ago. Uh, it's pretty old. 20s. He's only a little bit after Victorians actually, so well old. I love uh, the wrong 20s. Not this wrong 20s. This one sucks. <laughs> and uncomfortable there's constant worries of disease and money and the economy's fucked fuck I mean to be fair Wall Street crashed in 1929 yeah and there was disease mm. yeah, yeah yeah. it comes full circle <laughs> yeah we go literally as I, I mean I know I sound like shock but it's kind of our thing with unclassical nothing has changed <laughs> like yeah. so many things anyway so many things <laughs> so many things <laughs> so it's written by Agatha Christie who is actually a little bit of a vibe oh, yeah, shit. Just a little bit I don't know why I'm surprised then I kind of kind of vibe she might be a bit of a vibe vibe. but she writes spookies she writes spookies but you always got to take a pinch of salt when they're old-fashioned don't you because it's sort of like you know she'll probably turn around and be a bitch oh yeah they're they're definitely our problematic themes yeah Um, which is good because we don't really have content (laughs) so the guinness world book of records cites her as the best-selling fiction writer of all time and i did a quick google and it says she's tied at the top with shakespeare so take that jk fucking rolling can we also just comment on that though Mm. that um Oh, every name fell out of my head. Um, <laughs> They're all like, on the floor. Disgusting. Uh, uh, Charles Dickens, Shakespeare, mm. Hardy, or mm. Hemingway, all male writers that people just absolutely nut themselves over. Mm. And clearly that was big in it. I mean, I know everyone knows who Agatha Christie is, but still. Yeah, literally. Big old fucking deal. Yeah. And uh, she's also, I think she 
Mousetrap. She wrote Mousetrap, that play. And I think it's like one of the mm. lo- longest, or if not the longest running play in the West End. Probably. So, I think so, yeah. yeah. It's definitely up there. But isn't that... Sorry, I'm going to make feminist rants and early. <clears throat> but you, like, if someone asked you, like, what's the most self-sold writer of history, you would never think it was a woman, would you? I, I thought it was going to be JK. JK Rowling. Fair. But yeah. if you're, okay... Mm-hmm. old classics then. old classics I go for Shakespeare he, and to be yeah. fair he's up there he wasn't wrong <laughs> but yeah because he, uh, he does plays Is that, I mean I'm just kind of thinking novels oh I don't know I just put authors um, yeah. in but anyway apparently she's the best selling fiction writer of all time that's so. very interesting isn't yeah, it interesting. that's an interesting point though because like technically is Shakespeare I mean obviously everyone buys his plays now to read and stuff and has done I wonder if his is actually like surprisingly low just because obviously he's a playwright and not a novel writer so I wonder mm. if there's actually like Less people buy his books because it's... has he written books? Oh, scripts, I suppose, aren't they? But you know, yeah. do you know, do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? I'm putting down. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just curious. I'm just curious how it all works out. These are my shower thoughts. <laughs> like, um, I'm in the shower. <laughs> anyway, so she worked at a dispensary during both world wars, and that's how she gained an in-depth knowledge of medicines and poison. Poison. She likes to mention in her wee old books, and uh, her second husband, because she got divorced. Ooh. Ooh. So you're saying she's a whore? Fucking whore. What? Um, it's just... <laughs> Her, the husband though completely fair enough also kind of sounds like he left her what a whore what, what a poor man and what absolute whore mm, and that's history enough. that is history but her second husband yeah. Max Mallow Man which is sorry Max the Marshmallow I know Max the Mallow Man Max the Marshmallow. Max the Marshmallow. Great. Marshmallow Max. Marshmallow um, Max. But he was an archaeologist and she accompanied, accompanied him on loads of digs so she knew all about archaeology as well and um, again applied loads of like expert archaeology Plots to her books. Fun. I love it. I was like, I fucking life. I know. Um, so yeah, so like, boss on poisons, boss on archaeology, and loves a murder mystery. Who doesn't, to be fair? Yeah, exactly. So she's fairly affluent, um, upbringing, quite privileged. going to say she's fairly athletic, and I was like, she's got it all. <laughs> she's got it all. Um, and yeah, she created, obviously, her most famous characters are Miss Marple mm-hmm. and our star Hercule Poirot. Oh, what nationality do you think Hercule Poirot is? Italian. Really? I was expecting you to say French because I thought he was French. He's actually Belgian. So when you just said Poirot, I thought um, French. But then when you said his full name right then, I was like, no, that sounds more Italian. Oh, well, no, he is a Belgian. However, I will admit I've not done much research into accents, so I shall be doing a very bad French accent when I talk like him. All I know about Belgium is they do good chocolate. Good and uh, I, don't, I don't like beer. Um, <laughs> do I have to say it so seriously? Oh, 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 I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, I, sh- I actually don't like it. Um, but also that we all got very upset when... I just feel like Belgium is like the sweet innocent child and when like they got bullied in world war two no world war one by germany we were all like (gasps) (laughs) do you leave belgium alone (laughs) you leave them alone you bastards oh they're a kitten yeah they're just a baby they're just a baby (laughs) is that kind of how boris feels about sweden now like you leave sweden the fuck alone russia do not fucking come for sweden like what about ukraine but i mean not to get all political but um i haven't really been following the news very well what not to be mean to Sweden, obviously I don't want you to get invaded. But why do we care more about Sweden than I Ukraine? Know. I don't know. I don't Racism? know. Do we have good trade with Sweden? I just assume it has to be some sort of like self- It's probably ABBA, isn't it? <laughs> oh no. Okay, but no offence Sweden, but if you guys do get invaded, which I hope you don't, I really do. But can you please just come out like with all your soldiers going, We are the dancing queens, <laughs> young and sweet, only 17. I mean, th- when they reintroduce conscription, young and sweet, oh, yeah. only 17. That's <laughs> not go. funny, guys, it's horrible. Yeah, well, yeah, I hope That's they don't get it. Really mean. Right, let's kick off the book. So, the book starts with this. This is literally, well, I won't say the title of the chapter. This is the first uh, sentence, paragraph. Mrs. Farrar's died on the night of the 16th to the 17th September, a Thursday. I was sent for at eight o'clock on the morning of Friday the 17th. There was nothing to be done. She had been dead some hours. So literally kicking it off with some death right uh, from the sorry, start. Let's just go back. Let's go back. We'll go back. Go back. She died at some point between the 16th and the 17th. So she went to sleep on Wednesday the 16th. Well, you know, she was alive on Wednesday the 16th. No, sorry. Thursday the 16th. And okay. then she was found dead the Friday. 17th, Friday morning. Yeah. 
Okay, because I heard as yeah, she went to sleep on the Wednesday. Yeah. And I was like, why did it take them a fucking day to call the police or doctor or whoever it is? Like, <laughs> oh, so. mum's dead. Oh, I've got stuff. Got I've, stuff. I'm busy today. I've got stuff on. Like, you know what? I, I, the diary's a bit busy. I'll, I'll, I'll deal with it tomorrow. She's still gonna be dead tomorrow, right? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make you look suspicious at all. Uh, uh, so the person that's gone to like butler check, did it. Um, <laughs> I'm just putting it the butler. The butler. Um, literally, all my annotations in this book is like they done it. They done it. They done it. They done it. And, Everybody um, did. And I am glad I have finished reading this before doing the notes because going back and they're like, ah, oh, there are certain things that I might have missed out yeah. but I'm going to put in. Sorry to have another mm. tangent, but have you listened to the latest episode of Red Handed yet? Plug. No. Um, so everyone go listen to Red Handed and Red Handed if you'll plus sponsor us because you guys are very successful. <laughs> um, but it's like, I still don't want to spoil it, um, but it's like this, uh, it's basically a Western, um, but a real Western. And it's like this, this um, I can't remember all the politics of it, but basically you know how obviously white people were dicks to the Native Americans and were like trying to get them to sell their land. Yeah. But there was one family and I can't remember exactly what they did, but they did something that meant that they would they had their land and it made them super, super rich because it was on like an oil rig or something. Yeah. Um, and it just, it had to get passed down through generations. Yeah, yeah. It couldn't be sold. So, but then like members of the family just kept dying and it was just like, it, and it's a true story but it kept being like it's this person ah shit now they're dead it's this person no it's not and it's just like it's it's like whoa and it's totally not who you thought it was going to be and it was very interesting oh so well done guys it was a wonderful podcast uh, give us a shout out give us a shout out and... I give you one who's definitely got the same weighting again <laughs> you might also like Poirot because yeah. it's a lot like that yeah. anyway where was I so the person that went to go check on the body um, is Dr. James Shepherd, mm. who is inc- incidentally the narrator of this book and and um, so he's gone out very early to pronounce Mrs. Farrar's is dead. And he returns home to his sister, Caroline, who is like the neighbourhood gossip. And she's sort of sniffing about him for details. However, Caroline is a very, very useful character for context. Mm-hmm. Because obviously she's sniffing out all these extra details. And so she's very good to come to. So Dr. Shepherd thinks that um, she's trying to find out extra information. Because Mrs. Farrar's husband died a year ago. And Caroline is certain mm. that Mrs. Farrar's poisoned him. Oh. oh, so did he have it coming though? He had it coming. Uh, complicated. Um, um, also, uh, James and Caroline are really fucking gross. Um, it seems like more common back then for adult siblings to live together, but uh, yeah. they're like they're really like a couple. And so, like, he comes in and she's like, "James, are you coming through for breakfast?" And he's like, "Just coming, my dear." It's gross. No, it's fucking gross. No. I was going to say, like, you can say, James, you're coming through for breakfast. I'll give you that. Yeah. You do not you do not refer to your sibling as my dear unless you're being fake and you're going like, you, you come this way, my dear. <laughs> you come in, my dear. You come in, my dear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can. It's only acceptable if you're fake. And, <laughs> and, um, and uh, she kisses him on the cheek. No. I don't like it. Well, maybe he kisses her. It, someone's kissing. The other day, me and Katie were in the supermarket and one of us kind of swung our hands and accidentally touched the other one's hand. Like, don't ever. Don't fucking touch me i think some people find this like a weird concept is that we're not a very huggy family like hug mum and dad when i see them i haven't seen them for a while and that's about it don't fucking touch me last time i prodded dad's foot Hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Don't fucking I really touch like my parents. Me. They're great people. I'm just not a hugger. Like, just, just don't, don't fucking just no touch one me. Fu- when I started at um, the museum, no! a lot Sorry. of people's introductions were just like, "Oh hi, I'm so and so," and I do not like to be touched. Okay, good. Yeah. And I was like, <sighs> my people. <laughs> I thought you were going to say their introduction was hi and then hug. I'm a hugger. Like, uh, no. I'm a killer. Fuck yeah. off. <laughs> I'm a stabber. <laughs> well, I'm a stabber, but I control those urges. <laughs> not so, really, Jesus. Don't come for me, Poirot. So uh, the doctor is like, well, obviously, she's like, where have you been this morning? And he's like, oh, well, Mrs. Farrar's is dead. And Caroline, uh, Caroline is like, I know, said my sister again. Um, this time. Don't be suspicious. Don't, don't be suspicious. suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> this time I was annoyed. You can't know, I snapped. I didn't know myself until I got there. And I haven't mentioned it to a soul yet. If that girl, Annie, that's like their parlour maid who like gives her gossip, knows, she must be clairvoyant. <laughs> Or a murderer. <laughs> or a murderer. It wasn't Annie who told me. It was the milkman. He heard it from the Ferrar's Fer- cook. That's Sorry, a but like plural one. Obviously, um, Agatha Christie, because I've never read Agatha mm. Christie, but um, she, obviously hers is kind of like the inspiration to all the classic yeah. crime dramas and like Cluedo Literally, and everything. Literally, because I don't know like 
quite what her plot lines are like. Like, is everything a red herring? Is nothing a red herring? <laughs> I love it. Sounds great. Twas the milkman. Milkman did it. <laughs> milkman done it. <laughs> I love that. It's great. Um, he heard it from the Faraz's cook. <gasps> cook done it. Ah, so good. As I say, there is no need for Caroline to go out to get information. She sits at home and it comes to her. She's got good sauces. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, help me judging on Caroline. She's very useful. Yeah, also, is it not your job to be the detective? She sounds like a... No wonder you live together. She sounds great to have around. He's a doctor. Oh. Yeah, he's, he's not a detective. We have not met Poirot yet. Oh, well... Uh, Boring. <laughs> Boring. You actually don't meet Poirot. We will meet him in this episode if we get a move on. No, we will meet him. Um, but you don't meet him for actually quite a while. Um, so we find out that Mrs. Faraz has died of an overdose of Veronal, which is like a sleeping draft, as they call it, which she's been taking recently. Yeah. Suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be um, suspicious. Caroline insists it's suicide. Dr. Shepard is like, that literally makes no sense. She was relatively young, wealthy. Um, I know she's a weirdo, but she's in very good health. Um, that means nothing. Yeah, like to commit suicide makes no sense. This is the doctor. This is the person you'd go to for, I mean, in the 1920s, probably mu- not much mental health care, but the person you'd go to for well, that. Well, if you were a woman and you went there for mental health care, he'd sexually assault you. Yeah, like, you need to be released. Like, this is, <laughs> this is not where I came. No, thank you. So uh, maybe he was like, it's definitely nothing to do with that. So Caroline insists Doctor that she's did it. <laughs> Doctor done it. Caroline insists that she's killed herself out of remorse for killing her late husband. Dr. Shepard insists that he died of acute gastritis brought on by alcoholism. And that Caroline is basically Beg nuts. Your pardon. <laughs> pardon you. Because <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> She asks her brother if he's satisfied with his accidental overdose conclusion and he just gets up and gets up and leaves the room. Like, you ain't satisfied. You suspicious dude. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Is that his motto? Yeah, just as he sashays out. Don't be suspicious. Next, we learn that this story is set in the village of King's Abbot. So I'm literally just kind of picturing hot fuzz. Yes. Yeah. But it's King's Abbot. Not much happens around here. Whole joke. Everything happens. It's not much around here except farmers and their mums. Everyone's packing around here. Farmers. Who else? Farmers' mums. Because yeah, <laughs> oh, we all sell apples round here, don't we? You're right. Your dad smells that sells apples, don't he? And raspberries. And raspberries. <laughs> that is such a good film. It's a really oh, good Oh my film. god. Just as another like um part of growing up, guys, for yeah. you to be aware of. Mm. So, so when you're a kid and you watch Little Mermaid, you're totally on arrow, you'll suck yeah, the whole yeah. way through. And then you get a little bit older and she goes, I'm 16 years old, I'm not a child. And you're like, yes, you are. <laughs> and you realise that you're on Ariel's dad's side. And you're yeah. like, wow, that's quite a growth progression. Try watching Hot Fuzzy, not Hot Fuzz, the other one, Shaun of the Dead again. And you realise oh you're on Pete, Pete's side. The, the, the flatmate who's like, it's three o'clock in the fucking morning. I, yeah. I mean, he's a bit of a prick, don't get me wrong. Oh no, but he's tired and he has had a fucking He nuff. has had a, I am so on Pete's side. Ed? Is Ed that, is a cunt. Yeah, Ed doesn't pay rent. Ed and he lives there. and just makes it messy all the time. And doesn't even write down his the other guy's phone messages. <sighs> yeah, no, I. that's mm. the thing. It's all when you come... When you fully become a grown-up is when you realise you're on Pete's side. Pete was actually quite understanding letting him live there that long. Five years. Yeah. What is it? It's like, um, oh, he's not a mate. He's a fucking animal. I'm like, you want to live like an animal? Go live in the shed. Even I thought that was quite reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> he still offered him the shed. Yeah, and yeah. you know what's great about that? He, he does end up in the shed. He ended up in the shed. And Pete ends up dead. <laughs> Honestly. We, we, I rewatched it like a couple of weeks ago. And me and James were just sat there like... I'm so on Pete's yeah, side. Fuck these guys. <laughs> and also fuck Sean. Like, you'd be like... So annoying! Mm-hmm. And the moment as well, sorry, complete just... Oh my god, but yeah, does it make you feel better having someone around that he's even more of a loser than you? Oh. Accurate. Accurate. And he tries to be decent when he's like, sorry, I broke up with Liz, and he's like, oh, just keep it down, yeah? Mm. And then he's like, prick, and he's like, I'm out enough! Oh, fucking knife yet! Like I said, I'm a knifer! Anyway, the nearest big town is... Cran- <laughs> and he got mugged! <laughs> I get mugged. I'm bitten! bitten. Oh, you'd be so angry. And he's got a banging headache, because uh, oh. he's dying because he's dying Pete is literally dying and just wants you to turn the music down that's all he wants you didn't even notice he's dying I'm so on Pete's side (laughs) justice for Pete (laughs) also fun fact um, the guy who plays Pete is like a renowned voice actor Mm -hmm. he's in loads of stuff he's really good he's so good so yeah yeah, kudos to Pete Um, leave him alone fuck I do it all day (laughs) (laughs) nearest big town is Cran 
Chester. And there's a railway station in King's Abbott at a shop or two and a lovely horse. Um, oh, it's always <laughs> lovely. Is there a goose? There what about a nice brick wall? <laughs> probably. Now, there are only two grand houses in King's Abbott. Only two? Quite, only two. Only two. Only two that are worth kind of mentioning. And uh, one is King's Paddock, which was left to the now late Mrs. Farrar's by her even later husband. And Why are they so late? Get a watch. <laughs> it wouldn't kill you to be on time. Yeah, apparently um, so. And the other is Fernley Park, which is owned by Roger Ackroyd. Ooh, the title of the book. Ooh. Watch out, Roger. He's still alive at the moment. <gasps> Fernley Park is a good name. Fernley. Fernley. Fernley Park. Fernley. Fernley Park. I prefer Fernley. You will, you will get familiar with Fernley, Fernley Park. Fernley, Fernley. Fernley. Anyway, um, Roger Ackroyd is described as a man who is more interested in being like a country squire than any other, any country squire ever was. So he's just really into cottagecore. <laughs> really fucking into it. And he's Sounds got like a red my kind face. of guy. <laughs> well, he's got a red face. I picture him as the human version of a pheasant and you just fucking know he's a Tory. Oh my God, no, you know who he is? Uh, you know ghosts and their neighbour who's yeah, like, he's got like, his bunty the wife on yeah, him. Yeah, it's him. Although he's... Um, not an alcoholic for reasons you'll find out mm-hmm. um was it because um, it used to be no uh, but here's the life and soul of the village he's like involved in everything uh, you, you'll find out now he's a widower because like mrs farrar's his late wife died of alcoholism yeah. uh, so both their partners died of alcoholism so they've both had experience of that i think that would give them something to bond over yeah. Wow. <laughs> she was. Well, um, yeah, and then you shouldn't have killed her. <laughs> um, he's saying Roger Ackroyd killed Mrs. Farrar. Yeah. yeah, everyone kill everyone. So, um, Roger Ackroyd and Mrs. Farrar's. Um, Roger Ackroyd's late wife, so his first wife, she was also a widow when they met. She was a little bit older than him. God, everyone's... Li- I know, like what fucking... <laughs> I know, what fucking happens to the spouses in this town? Um, <laughs> Sorry, how awful are all these people that they, each of their partners had to turn to drink just to escape from them? <laughs> Literally, uh, she... Well, I suppose you could, like, chalk that up to her... Roger Ackroyd's first wife's previous husband because she was an alcoholic when she met Roger Ackroyd. So. so she got on the party life with her first husband, they saw yeah. him off, and then she was like, you want to join me, baby? I don't actually know if her husband died of alcoholism, but wow. she did, and Mrs. Ferrara's, Ferrara's ex did. Mr. Now, Mrs. Ferrari. Mrs. Ferrari. Now, uh, Mrs. Late Ackroyd, she already had a son from her first marriage, Ralph Patton. So now he is like Roger's stepson, mm. and he's like bought him up, and I think he's... I think, how old was he when his mum died? About four or something? Oh, so, yeah, he's just like... He's part of the family, old Ralph is, but that's Ralph Patton. There are a lot of characters. Now, it's a complicated murder mystery. There's a thousand different character names. Everyone's so... got nine different names. <laughs> so look it up in your program. We We'd appreciate, appreciate it. Thanks, thanks a lot. lot. I think I am going to do like a little thing on Instagram of just like what the name is and what relation they are to Roger okay. Ackroyd. So look it up on our Instagram. We'd appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Da 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 so much more like power than it does what's it called the comet the, the um natasha and pierre and natasha and the great comet of so natasha pierre no sorry pierre natasha and the great comet of a certain time just date. google it you'll find it that it will come up then <laughs> you'll find it i trust you i believe in you you, you so, can do this ralph Patton is now 25 <laughs> and he's a bit of a wild one but like i say rogers raises that as him as his own and um ralph is also really fit and people just keep going on about how fit he is so nice. the whole village really likes him he's that fit. is the vibe because like i'm reading uh, the book i'm reading um uh, for the next time um that is what they seem to care about most yeah, sort of like, like and how are they well he's very attractive <laughs> he's a sexy man but does he have nice manners well he's oh, very attractive he's got a wild cat but uh, oh my god it's fucking sexy abs. <laughs> so it was noted um uh, <laughs> that widows attract widowers um so mrs farrar's and roger Ackroyd have got on actually very well together good very well, well that's that's nice yeah, they vibing, they vibing. Oh, it's nice. Um, Do they bond over a glass of wine? But but a glass. They kind of can bond because both their exes were alcoholics and they're just kind of like finding happiness in each other away Aww. from addiction. It's lovely. They've, they've done their time with addiction. Aww. It's time for you guys to be fucking happy, all right? Oh, wait, she's dead. Yeah. <laughs> and the book's called The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, so it's not looking too great for you either, Roger. <laughs> when this film crew start filming you, you're like, oh, what's the name of the documentary? The Murder of Ro- Roger Ackroyd. 
I'm <laughs> Roger Ackroyd. Exactly. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> I Literally, because I thought he would be dead from the beginning. So when I was reading this, he popped up. I was like, what the fuck, Roger? Someone put like, a cage around him. Protect him. <laughs> Roger, watch out. Roger, they'll get you. <laughs> be safe whenever he does anything dangerous. No, Roger, no, no, no. no. Now, before the Farrars were even on the scene, people thought that the widowed Roger might shack up with his housekeeper. In fact, he had like a kind of series of housekeepers. But the he most recent one. Yeah, Is that sure. why his wife drank? Maybe, maybe. Um, but his most recent housekeeper, which he still has, Mrs. Russell, people thought that she was definitely going to sort of like seal the deal. And uh, she was pretty fit for an old lady. So everyone's kind of vibing that. Um, and Roger's a bit old too as well. So they're kind of similar ages. Um, and people thought that if Mrs. Farrar hadn't shown up on the scene and obviously her husband hadn't disappeared from the scene, mm. um, it says Roger could not have escaped as though Mrs. Russell was the one with the power in that dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> Make right. sure, sure. Um, but also, not only did Mrs. Farage show up, Roger's widowed sister-in-law showed up at the same time. She's just called like Mrs. Ackroyd. Don't even know if you'd learn her first name. Hmm. Um, with her daughter, and they moved in with Roger at Fernie Park, and they put a firm end to any dalliances with servants. Yeah, the doctor because <laughs> the doctor is narrating it. Said um, he, she put the servants like in their proper place. And he's like, I don't know where the proper place is, but it sounds cold and lonely. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't like that if I was the servant. I was like, I was vibing here before you came. I yeah. kill them. Yeah, kill, kill fucking Mrs. Ackroyd. Yeah, fuck you, Mrs. Ackroyd. Why do you have a good time? Yeah, boring? just fucking like live your own life. Stop getting involved with other yeah. people. But um, well, it will come down to like inheritance. She's like Mrs. Um, Catherine de Fuck. Mrs. Catherine de Fuck. Catherine de So Dr. Shepherd. Oh my God! I just remember what I'm about to read. So Dr. Shepherd is walking along, thinking if Mrs. Farrar's could have actually taken her own life, and these are his musings. Had she taken her own life? Surely, if she had done so, she would have left some kind of word behind to say what she contemplated doing. Women, in my experience, if they once reach the determination to commit suicide, usually wish to reveal the state of mind that led to the fatal action. They covet the limelight. I'll fucking kill you. They all do it for attention at the end of the day. Fucking mm. bitches. <laughs> well, I can see why you never married. <laughs> like, whoa. Just can't help showing off. Even when they're killing themselves. Fucking women. Right. Yeah, it's no wonder the only woman who would have you is your sister who had no choice. Yeah, literally. Like, so Dr. Shepherd, a vibe. Um, on reflection, Dr. Shepherd realises that the last time he saw Mrs. Farrar's was yesterday, and he saw her walking along with Ralph Patton. Sorry, hmm. I just, um, I thought time might have moved forward slightly. I saw her yesterday. Yeah, no shit, you went to go identify her as dead. <laughs> that was you, you fucking... I saw her, and she was dead. Oh yeah, we know that. We know that. Uh, oh yeah, that was me. <laughs> I know something. She died. Who <laughs> invited? <laughs> just Praro and Miss Maple sitting there. Like, Who the fuck invited this guy? This fucking idiot. <laughs> so um, yeah, walking. Uh, he saw her walking on with Ralph Patton. Like, what you got to talk to Ralph Patton about, Mrs. Farrar's? His suspicious. Da. His fiddle da. Yeah. And at this point, like, the so doctor. I'm thinking about getting your da a present. What is your da like? <laughs> oh my da, I don't drink alcohol. I know that. I know that. Me neither. He said, don't go in my bottle of whiskey. Oh, I'm gonna! Oh my god, he does drink whiskey, actually. <gasps> but higher. probably within, um, you know, uh, a regulated amount. Mm. Um, so at this point, the doctor almost walks into Roger Ackroyd, and he died. No. <laughs> <laughs> careful, Roger! Careful, careful. Um, and Roger Ackroyd is, it just keeps going on about like what an awful business it all is, with obviously Mrs. Farrar's being dead. And will Dr. Shepherd come to his for dinner tonight as there's something he desperately needs to discuss with him? Ooh! Actually... Uh, Roger Ackroyd is like, can you come now? Can you talk now? No, better, tonight, to dine. It's an emergency. No, wait, food. Respect. <laughs> like we, we should discuss it after dinner. My like, gentlemen. Oh, a little bit hungry. Later. <laughs> okay. I'll see you then. I wish that, um, I mean, I don't live particularly exciting life, so this doesn't really happen. But can you imagine someone was sort of like, we need to discuss this now, but you hadn't eaten. <laughs> yeah, like, Katie, what have you had to eat today? Nothing. Yeah, she wouldn't even accept some uh, I, had, I had a toothbrush in my mouth. Busy. <laughs> Not good enough. It no. is 20 to 2. No. So. Skinny. 
<laughs> terrible message. Don't do that. Eat your bloody breakfast and lunch. Eat your fucking granola. Yeah. So Dr. Shepard asks um, if this like terrible business, if it's about Ralph. And Roger just looks really confused and is like, no, Ralph's in London. Um, but the <gasps> kind of like vibe is like, Ralph Ralph's, done it. Ralph's been in London a while. Yeah. Like, he's not here. Um, why would it have anything to do with Ralph? Dun, 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 dun. Ooh, Ralph done it. So Ralph visiting Mrs. Farrar's secret. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe he's part of the, of the birthday present. You know, he's going to rock up and be like, die, I'm home. Oh, yeah, maybe. It, it's not Roger's birthday. Why do we think it is? Maybe it's Christmas. It's oh, no, I said birth- it was... What months did they say it was? It was like I'm getting summer vibes. Well, it says at the beginning gardening. of the book. I don't think it does. Yeah, it does. It says Saturday morning or something. I thought it said the 17th and 18th. Oh, it does, September. Shut up, Kate. It's <laughs> <laughs> still summery. It's <laughs> still summery. I said summery. There's going to be a gardening theme. <laughs> yeah, I just mean that is the harvest. Hi, Katie. So... I actually listened to what you say. It's nice to feel appreciated. <laughs> I didn't remember what month. I was no. like, it's it was like the 16th, 17th, 18th, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. feel the month would have come into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah, you're yeah. right. It's September. Maybe they're getting ready for quit. Maybe they're planning an extravagant Christmas party. Maybe, maybe. Maybe he's really fucking into Halloween. Maybe. Oh, do you fan love Halloween? <laughs> so, Dr. Shepard now goes to his morning surgery. And his last patient is Mrs. Russell. Oh, <gasps> <gasps> What's wrong with Miss Russell? She says her knee is sore. And, Same. Um, yeah, me too, mate. And um, he, she kind of gives some very vague symptoms. And he's like, okay, have like this ointment or this pill or something. Did someone twat her in the knee? Um, do not know? She just says it sometimes gets a bit sore. Like, she's really vague about it. And um, then she just starts like saying like, oh, I don't really like agree with all like these drugs and stuff. She was like, like, you know, cocaine. That's pretty terrible. And he's like, well, yeah. Fucking jump. <laughs> sure. And he's like, yeah. And then she's like, can people get over cocaine addiction? And he's like, um, yeah. And kind of like gives like a kind yeah. of like general speech of like it's very very difficult and stuff. And then um, he starts like asking uh, if uh, she's been like reading crime thrillers or something, and that's why she's bringing it up. Because we seem to be getting hysterical. Yeah. Luckily, I have a glove for just such an occasion. <laughs> Um, like you seem hysterical Mrs Russell and um, and uh, yeah asks if she's been reading crime thrillers and she's like oh yes 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 that's where I got it all from and starts and she starts asking about untraceable poisons and like what poison could you give someone that really truly couldn't don't be traced don't be suspicious don't, don't be suspicious don't be suspicious also if you're planning a murder be fucking chill but also I don't know what GP waiting times were back in like in the back in the Can 1920s you imagine doing this now just like there is a lane Fucking get oh, no, out. To be fair, he did say it was her, his last appointment of the day. Even Still, more, I'm going home. I'm going now. S- fuck off, Mrs. Russell. <laughs> fuck off. Like, is that a poison's way? I mean, I do know, but fuck off. I'm a fuck off, I'm telling you. <laughs> I would, if I wanted to get away with poison, how would I do it? I'm going to call the Maybe police. Maybe not ask the local GP. <laughs> yeah, like, well, this was your first mistake. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, she does leave. Eventually. Mm. And um, then the uh, gong goes for luncheon. Oh, lovely. That's civilised. So we had a dinner gone. Um, of lunch, course we did. We grew up in fucking Surrey. Of course, of course. At lunch, Dr. Shepard tells Caroline, because obviously they're having lunch together, that uh, he won't be around for dinner because he's going to Fernley Park. And um, Caroline's like, oh yes, what's the drama with Ralph? And Dr. Shepard is confused. And she's like, I know Ralph's in King Ab- King's Abbot. I fucking know everything. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, right. And she's like, uh, Ralph is staying at the Three Boars, like the local pub, yeah. instead of Fernley Park. I wonder what the drama is. Why isn't he staying at Fernley Park? Why is he staying at Three Boars? I'm like, well, Caroline, I don't fucking know, but I'm fucking intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is the drama? And how do you know everything? I just know everything. People tell me things. I'm very approachable. Oh, excellent. <laughs> what a wonderful quality to have. I know. Unfortunately, so, you would get people talking to you about a lot of shit as well. Yeah, but yeah. I don't care. <laughs> tell me the good stuff. So, Shepard's, I can imagine Caroline being a bit like, very like, and then, um, you know, we thought that maybe the cat had a cough. But actually, Katie, Katie, darling, no one, no one really cares about that. Please tell me about your auntie. No. <laughs> uh, oh well, um, she's feeling a little bit better, is she? Is she? Is she? Is, is she? it poison? Poison. Was she poisoned? Is Mrs. Russell? Did she get it from the doctor? It's a frightful business. Um, no, I think she just had a cold. Poison from the doctor. That weird. <laughs> and then leaves like, <laughs> what just happened? What just happened? Murder? <laughs> so Shepard says um, Roger said that Ralph was in London and Caroline's like, no, he got to the three balls yesterday morning and last night he was out with a girl, the cat. Oh. And it's like, oh, 
Oh, and um, Shepard's not really surprised that Ralph was out with a girl because Ralph, like I said, is a bit of a cat. But he's a little bit surprised that um, Ralph has chosen to do his uh, gallivanting in King's Abbot instead of uh, the gay metropolis. And can we all please go back to calling London the gay metropolis? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. We could do yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. The so, gay metropolis. It sounds much more exciting. I'm off to the gay metropolis. I'm going to the gay metropolis. Oh, I saw in the gay metropolis. Yeah, it sounds um, so much more exotic than fucking London. <laughs> exactly. So Caroline says Ralph um, uh, was out with uh, Flora last night and that the pair were, are secretly engaged. <gasps> now, Does Fauna know? <laughs> Funny, I was like, about to go, Flo- ah, I get you, I, uh, you I get you, I, I get you. Uh, now, Flora Ackroyd is Roger Ackroyd's dead brother's Stop. child. Jesus Christ. Um, I thought you were going to say it's his dead daughter, and I was like, ah, <laughs> gross. Her up. We got bigger fucking problems this book took a turn. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so, um, she is Roger Ackroyd's niece. But because Ralph is from a previous marriage, they're not actually related by blood, but they are kind of cousins. Gross. So a little bit gross, but not actually blood related, but still kind of keeping it in the family. It's that kind of thing. It's like, if you have to go into that much detail of explaining why you're not related, it's a little bit gross. (laughs) Yeah, literally. (laughs) Like, no. No, the thing is, we're actually not related because of this. Like, the fact you're having to justify it is disgusting. Yeah, no. Stop it. Just fuck other people. Take your tongue out of his mouth. (laughs) That's gross. Ew. So, um, Dr. Shepard... um, wants to change the subject and brings up understandably the fact, yeah like, um, and bring, also he's a bit like are they engaged really she's like yes I know everything <laughs> yeah everything don't question me James I know everything <laughs> so yeah he wants to change the subject and he brings up the fact that they have a new neighbour that's just moved in next door who's keeping himself rather to himself a Mr. Porrot do we think there might be a Poirot? <laughs> no, it's clearly Mr. Porridge. Clearly Mr. Porridge. Um, also, the fact that they're suspicious. There's a neighbour who likes to keep himself to himself. Yeah, literally. I'm an introvert. Go away. Literally, fuck off. Oh, this I is moved the... to the country to escape. <laughs> this is the thing. So Caroline knows nothing about him <gasps> except that he is a foreigner. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Just to be clear, my disappointment wasn't that he was a foreigner. <laughs> it was that she was racist. Yeah, well, obviously. Um, Dr. Shepard thinks that he knows that the man is retired and um, that he can guess what his previous career is on account of his fabulous moustache. What do you think they think his career is? I mean, a chef? <laughs> Why would a chef have a great moustache? I don't know. <laughs> is that not what the one in Sesame Street has? That's <laughs> your logic. Um, they... I just couldn't because obviously he is a detective kind of person and I feel like that's moustache so I was like what other co- a fireman a hairdresser <laughs> I guess that does make more sense <laughs> I admit when I read it I was like oh, okay a hairdresser I don't think I'd have made that conclusion <laughs> but I don't think I would have thought a chef or a fireman <laughs> Anyway, you used to be a hairdresser. Where's your moustache? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that is, that is our secret. All hairdressers have moustaches and that's why I couldn't do it anymore because I couldn't grow it. <laughs> I couldn't do it. So, oh, right. <laughs> she <laughs> said... <laughs> <laughs> if anyone doesn't get the painted reference, it's from Monsters, Inc. When the scare hall will be... Paint. Empty! It'll be empty! <laughs> so when you don't know what to say, say painted. Um, you should have said you should have been a painter. Yeah, you go! Painter? Yeah, um, So Caroline says she tried to get some information out of Mr. Porrett the other day under the guise of borrowing some gardening tools, but he wasn't very forthcoming. And in the end, she just point blank asked him if he was a Frenchman. Are you a Frenchman? Also, can we just like, establish her trying to establish ways from like, Hi, um, you're new to town. Oh, hi, yeah, mm. how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Can, mm. I, can I borrow some gardening equipment? Um, yeah, I, oh, I'm still unpacking, so I'm not sure. Was, I'm a Frenchman! <laughs> no. No, I, I, I'm not. And he didn't say where he was from either. And, well, um, oh, no, this lady came around, asked for gardening tools, the and then screamed at him. She was like, um, I, didn't, I didn't like, uh, for some reason, and I somehow didn't want to ask him anything else. No, because you're really weird, intrusive, and aggressive. Scary. No one, and he doesn't seem very forthcoming to, the, to us all. I wonder why. I wonder why, Caroline. Please leave. Kind of like, Please leave. 
Um, so later, Dr. Shepard um, is working in his own garden, weeding, when a massive marrow comes flying over the fence and nearly hits him. Excellent. So this is what ensues. I looked up angrily. Over the wall to my left, there appeared a face, an egg-shaped head, partially covered with a suspiciously black hair, two immense moustaches. Two. Do they mean that the fact it's going in like two directions? And I guess there's like, a parting in the middle. It's the anti-Hitler. Yeah, but I was like, two? I, I think it still counts as one, sir. Yeah. But anyway, two immense also, moustaches. suspiciously black hair. I'm guessing it's, um, yeah, covered with sp- suspiciously black hair. I'm guessing dyed. Maybe looks a bit mm. old. Mm. Mm. Or just racist, who knows. Mm. Um, and a pair of watchful eyes. It was our mysterious neighbour, Mr. Porrett. He broke at once into fluent apologies. I demand of you... <laughs> Get ready for this, guys. There's going to be a lot of this. I demand of you a thousand pardons, monsieur. I am without defence. For some months now, I cultivate the marrows. This morning, suddenly, I enrage myself with these marrows. I send them to promenade themselves. Alas! Not only mentally, but physically. I seize the biggest. I hurl him over the wall. Monsieur, I am ashamed. <laughs> I prostrate myself. <laughs> I am ashamed. I am ashamed. Um, also, I just love the honesty. Like, mate, I, I'm sorry. I just thought I'd marrow it. It's marrow. It's like, it suddenly hanging me. Fuck all over the wall. Fuck <laughs> over the wall. I've, I mean, me, someone who has never encountered rage, never twatted a marrow over a wall. Maybe I, maybe I should try it. So Dr. Shepard wonders if this new neighbour is going to make a habit of throwing marrows oh, over the wall. I make a habit of being his best friend. <laughs> I, I love him. I think he's great. <laughs> the, the strange little man seemed to read my thoughts. Ah, no, he, ex- he exclaimed. Do not disquiet yourself. It is not with me a habit. But you can figure to yourself, monsieur, that a man may work towards a certain object, may labour and toil to attain a certain kind of leisure and occupation. And then to find that after all he yearns for and the old busy days and the old occupations that he thought himself so glad to leave yeah i have a question i said slowly (laughs) i have a question yeah he's just moved here yeah what's he growing his marrows in like what maybe there was some already growing and he's cultivating them but he said he's been getting he's been looking after them and everything i mean maybe they're in a pot and he brought them with him but I don't maybe. know. Maybe. She seemed odd. You know what I mean? Well, maybe, yeah, he brought them when he'd already started because he'd basically come there to kind of like take his mind off his old job and hey. um, like his old life. And so he's like thrown himself into the marriage and they're not fucking cooperating. Well, that big one seemed to be cooperating. She'd be very proud of I'm that one. Of yes, I said slowly. Yeah. I fancy that is a common enough occurrence. I myself am perhaps an instance. A year ago, I came into a legacy enough to enable me to realise a dream. I've always wanted to travel, to see the world. Well, that was a year ago. And as I said, I'm still here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My li- little neighbour nodded. <laughs> I condescending, but just a little like, oh no. <laughs> the chains of Abbott. We work to attain an object, and the object gained, we find that what we miss is the daily toil. And mark you, monsieur, my work was interesting work. The most interesting work that there is in the world. Very Curious. Mm. Yes, I said encouragingly. For the moment, the spirit of Caroline was strong within me. <laughs> Disgusting. The study of human nature, monsieur. Just so, I said kindly, clearly a retired hairdresser. Who knows the secrets of human nature better than a hairdresser? Katie? <laughs> Care to take the stage? Um, I worked in a hairdressing salon when everyone wore masks and people chose the moment to talk to me while I was hair drying. So I have no idea what any of you ever said. <laughs> Sorry about that. I hope your family's well. Yeah. <laughs> Just like smiling as they're probably telling me their dog's died of something horrific like that's lovely yeah, like, oh, I wish weird. mine would do that <clears throat> so Poirot reveals um, that Roger Ackroyd actually ha- knows Poirot and he knows what his work was before but Poirot has asked Roger to keep it on the down low the deal, because mate. he doesn't like want any notoriety to follow him and uh, the doctor is a bit kind of like you fucking wish you hairdresser. <laughs> and, okay, sure, whatever. Um, and they discuss Ralph Patton because Poirot's seen him walking around the village and he's like, that man is fit. Um, <laughs> I've seen the sexy man that walks around here. It's hot. It's really hot. <laughs> is he taken? Like, apparently he's engaged to his cousin. Where? 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 Oh, it's not actually his cousin. Sit down. It's going to take a while to explain how they're not related. It's going to take a minute. Mm. 
Captain Ralph Patton, uh, mused Mr. Porrot. And so he is engaged to Mr. Ackroyd's niece, the charming Miss Flora? Who told you so? I asked, very much surprised. Mr. Ackroyd, about a week ago. He is very pleased about it, has long desired that such a thing should come out to pass, or so I understood from him. I even believe that he uh, brought some pressure to bear upon the young man. That is never wise. A young man should marry to please himself, not to please a stepfather from whom he has expectations. My ideas were completely upset. I could not see Ackroyd taking a hairdresser into his confidence and discussing the marriage of his niece and stepson with him. Ackroyd extends a genial patronage to the lower orders, but he has a very great sense of his own dignity. I began to think that Porrot couldn't be a hairdresser after all. Hmm. Suspicious. The plot doth thicken. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of setup with different characters in this book. Um, so later, Dr. Shepard returns to his own house, where Caroline has also returned from a little excursion. Ooh, what has she been up to? So she went to the Three Boars looking for Ralph Patton. I love her. She's great. <laughs> She's like, right, I better fucking see what was going on. Like, I don't have all the details. I'll get them. <laughs> to Ralph. And um, she got there and he wasn't there. And um, she walked Bastard. back. I know, selfish. And she walked back through the woods, which is a bit irregular for a lady. And Dr. Shepard doth a question it. And... Oh, like, look, we all want to live the, our best cottagecore lives. <laughs> yeah, we all want to stroll through the woods. It's not just um, Roger Ackroyd who likes the cottagecore yeah, scene. Yeah, we all like it. That's why we live here. But so obviously, like, it's kind of like, oh, you know, it's not very, like, you know, ladylike and proper. But It's not very ladylike to be living with your brother. <laughs> and yeah, and for him to be calling you dear and stuff. Yeah. Um, I think it's a bit sad that, you know, it's also like, because it could be dangerous and it's dangerous to walk through the woods now. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And yet we still come back to the age argument of like, why are we walking alone? Because I wanted to and I should be allowed. Because I want to live my cottage core life. Yes, leave me alone. Murder is be a fairy in the woods. Anyway. be a fairy in the woods. <laughs> Caroline. Or a little hedgehog. Oh, yeah. Anyway, Caroline walks through the woods and she comes across two people having a conversation. One um, she can hear is obviously Ralph Patton because she's known him since he was a child. And the other is a woman. And she says, she didn't mean to listen. Of sure, course Caroline. not. Sure. <laughs> That's literally the doctor's like, of course not. Of course <laughs> not. I'm sure you couldn't help but overhear the whole thing. Just there like, with that ear pressed up against it like, what? <laughs> Sorry, say a bit louder, dear. A bit louder, darling. Um, so let me find the right bit. Um, but I simply couldn't help overhearing. The girl said something, I didn't quite catch what it was, and Ralph answered. He sounded very angry. My dear girl, he said, don't you realise that it is quite on the cards? The old man will cut me off without a shilling. He's been pretty fed up with me for the last few years. A little more would do it, and we need the dibs, my dear. I shall be a very rich man when the old fellow pops off. He's mean as they make him, but he's rolling in money, really. <laughs> I don't want him to go altering his will. You leave it to me and don't worry. Those were his exact words. <gasps> I remember them perfectly. Frank, don't gonna do it. Ralph. <clears throat> What's his last name? Patton. It's got nothing to do with Frank. Doesn't it? No. <laughs> okay, the name Ralph and the name Frank take up the same place in my name. Yep, in my brain. In my brain. I am Plus Ralph Frank. Frank. It's because they've both got R's and A's. <laughs> I kind of see it. And Ralph, Frank, they just... They anyway. take up the same space. Those were his exact words. I remember them perfectly. Unfortunately, just then I stepped on a dry twig or something. <laughs> <laughs> and they lowered their voices and moved away. Oh no! Damn it! <laughs> I couldn't, of course, go rushing after them, so I wasn't able to see who the girl was. You know what she should have done? What? She should have truly embraced her cottagecore life and gone barefoot, and then she'd have been able to step like a little fairy yeah, and never heard everything. That's true. That must have been most vexing, I said. Excellent. <laughs> I suppose so. You hurried off to the three boars, felt faint, and went into the bar for a glass of brandy, and so were able to see if both barmaids were on duty. <sighs> oh, he doesn't miss a beat. He doesn't miss a trick, he does he? It wasn't a barmaid, <laughs> said Caroline. It wasn't a barmaid. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, obviously he knew what she was about. Yeah. But I would not have thought to touch on that genius. No! absolute legend. Well, they are related. Like, come on, we both thought the same thing in. And I was like, yeah, please do pull at that thread. Was yeah, it a barmaid? genius. <laughs> oh, they don't need fucking Poirot. These two were on it. Yeah, fucking on it. Um, it wasn't a barmaid, said Caroline unhesitatingly. In fact, I'm almost sure that it was Flora Ackroyd. Only... 
only it doesn't seem to make sense, I agreed. But if it wasn't Flora, who could it have been? Fauna. <laughs> Fauna, I'm telling you. Rapidly, my sister ran over a list of maidens living in the neighbourhood with profuse reasons for and against. Could be that one, could be that one. She's a slut, it's probably her. Um, so... <laughs> Pretty accurate for the time. Yeah. Uh, so Dr. Shebert heads out to the three boars himself to see if he can sort this out. I just want to say at this point, what are you sorting out? Officially, there has been a suicide in the village. Sad. And a young man has spoken to a young woman. Fuck off! Just, what he's sorting out is their, their curiosity. Yeah, literally. Just such meddling old Tories. I'm sorry, but I'm going to say it. Yeah. <clears throat> I was going to say does he not have anything better to do? But then I remembered, no. no. He's a GP and they only work about three hours a week. He's had his lunch and he's off for I'm the day. I'm sorry, I yeah. know the NHS is overworked, but have you tried to get a doctor's appointment? <laughs> you fucking can't. Um, so, but anyway, yeah, the doctor seems to have a saviour complex and he's like, I've known Ralph since he was a little snapper and um, he's on a bad path and, you know, maybe I can get him back on a good path. And so, yes. It's I'm, got nothing to do with you. Fuck off. Fuck off. Fuck like, off. He's literally just had a chat with someone in the woods. Oh, fuck I off. mean, it does kind of sound a little bit murdery. I'll give him that. <laughs> but also, like, obviously, but it's just one of these conversations you're over here and, like, obviously it's like, oh, yeah, sounds bad in that context. But how mm. many times does someone piss you off and you're like, oh, my God, I could just fucking murder them. Yeah, you know what I mean? and he hasn't like, even said that. It's just been like, yeah. look, I need to be really nice to my stepfather because he could cut me off without a penny. Just leave it with me. Yeah, like... Yeah. It's the thing, isn't it? Sort of like, you can take anything out of context and really twist it, but, mm. you know, it's like, yes, I said that, you know, if I'm mm. mad, mean to him, he might cut me out of that will. Does that mean I'm going to kill him? Yeah. I said it was going to be nice to him. <laughs> yeah, be nice. I said I'm going to keep him on my side. Yeah. Killing him won't do that. No. Like, um, what, what did you think I meant? We'll leave the will unaltered, though. <laughs> anyway, so he gets to the uh, three balls. Uh, balls. And, uh, oh, yeah, because he was like written into the will as a kid because he was like, well, I can't leave you out a penny, but now you're growing up. If you're a can, I'll just cut you off without a penny. He's like, I mean, I would like that money, so I guess I'll stand your sweet side. Yeah, so your sweet side, then, uh, dear stepfather. Sounds like good money businessing <laughs> to me. So, um, yeah, the doctor gets there and he sees Ralph. Ralph welcomes him in, but Ralph looks quite troubled and they end up having a drink. Not to mince matters, he said gloomily. I'm in the, in the devil of a mess. In fact, I haven't the least idea what to do next. What's the matter? I asked sympathetically. It's my confounded stepfather. No! <laughs> what has he done? It isn't what he's done yet, but what he's likely to do. The bell was answered and Ralph ordered the drinks. When the man had gone again, he sat hunched in the armchair, frowning to himself. Is it really serious? I asked. He nodded. I'm fairly up against it this time, mm. he said soberly. The unusual ring of gravity in his voice told me that he spoke the truth. It took a good deal to make Ralph grave. In fact, he continued, I can't see my way ahead. I'm damned if I can. If I could help, I suggested diffidently. And you he, just want to know the gosh. He so does. Um, can I, you, can I, you know, I can only help you if you tell me everything. I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. <laughs> I understand these things. So why don't you tell me everything? But he shook his head Aww. very decidedly. <laughs> so disappointing. Good of you, doctor. But I can't let you in on this. I've got to play a lone hand. He was silent a minute and then repeated oh, in a slightly a different tease. <laughs> and he repeated in a slightly different tone of voice. Yes, I've got to play a lone hand. Okay, well, <laughs> firstly, if you're going to commit a murder, what? If you're gonna commit a murder, don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. So Ralph has obviously got beef with Roger, um, but yeah. How are we doing for time? Uh, oh we've got time. Cool, cool. Um so we jump a few uh, into the future a little bit and it's a few minutes before half past seven over the next bits i'm going to be saying a lot of timings because uh it kind of gets relevant mm. <laughs> so, so it's um, half past seven in the evening in the evening cool. or a few minutes before uh, and it's outside fernley park and dr shepherd is ringing the bell to be let in for his dindins and the door is answered by parker who is roger Ackroy's butler that's parker the butler, butler. did it but they did it. They did it. And he got me too. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> that was the first word written here. And I was like, okay. 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 We're about to have an onslaught of characters in this chapter. Get ready. <laughs> so, Strapping, guys. So the doctor steps in. Parker the butler takes his coat. And then the doctor is greeted by Jeffrey Raymond, who is Roger Ackroyd's young, bright secretary. So Jeffrey secretary. Raymond is the secretary. 
Um, he's passing with a pile of papers and there's a general conflap about whether the doctor's visit is a social one or a professional one because the doctor's got his bag and the doctor's like, oh, it's on my bag, you never know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and especially if there's murderers on the loose. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, oh, okay, cool, anyway, I'll see you at dinner. And like flounces off. Raymond goes to give Roger Ackroyd the papers he's carrying and tells the doctor to go through to the drawing room. So the doctor goes towards a drawing room door and as he reaches for the handle, he hears a sound from the inside Ooh. that sounds a bit like a window shutting. And he doesn't really think anything of it. It's more like, you know, he's like, if I was musing about it later, yeah. And then when he opens the door... <laughs> Sorry, I'm like, I don't really think much of this. <laughs> However, future me may want to muse on this. <laughs> may muse on this later. So remember, you heard a window shutting. So he opens the door and almost collides with Mrs. Russell, or Miss Russell, whatever she's called. I guess she's a miss, actually. Miss <laughs> um, Russell, um, as she's coming out. And... <laughs> I put they both apologise, but I put splodgeise. Splodgeise. <laughs> they both splodgeise. So British. Sorry, no, is that not what happens when you collide with somebody? Yeah, just apologise. Like, oh, like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> that is a splodgeise. Yeah, that is a splodgeise. Um, for the first time, I found myself appraising the housekeeper and thinking what a handsome woman she must have fuck once off. have been. Yeah, sorry, once have been. Yeah. How old are you, Doctor? Yeah, I don't know. Both fuck fucking off. old. Fuck Indeed, off. as far as that goes, still was. Oh, shut yeah. up. Her dark hair was unstreaked with grey, and when she had a colour, as she had at this minute, the stern quality of her looks was not so apparent. Um, Fuck off! So, yes. Now, the next bit. Interesting. Mm. So, uh, oh, this is it. So, uh, the doctor has pissed me off, that's it. Because he sort of says to Mrs. Russell, like, Miss Russell's like, sorry, I'm a bit early for dinner. And she's like, no, no, it's 7.30, um, that's fine, you're right on time. However, um... Mr. Ackroyd didn't tell me you were coming for dinner. And he's like, and for some reason, it seems to annoy her that I'm there for dinner. And I can't imagine why. Oh, be men. Because you've come with no fucking notice and she's got to make a plate up for you. You entitled cunt. A so entitled prick. Sorry, but is that not just the fucking arrogance and stupidity of men? Why does it affect you? Because I'm the one in charge of setting up for dinner. Yeah, and I didn't factor you in. Ah! That is infuriating. I'm so on her side. Kill the men. So, um, it, obviously, because he's a bit like, all right, you know, invite me for dinner, don't welcome me. So he's like, how's the knee? I inquired. Oh, why does she seem like she's been running if she's got a sore knee? Ooh. Ooh. Because actually sometimes when your knee's sore, running helps release the, well, relieve, I don't know, it just helps sometimes. Or she's a fucking liar and a murderer. <laughs> or... Sometimes exercise is sometimes helpful for a sore knee. Oh, yeah, sometimes, sometimes. Sometimes. Depends what's wrong with it. She didn't say. Mm. Much the same, thank you, Doctor. I must be going now. Mrs. Ackroyd will be down in a moment. I I only came in here to see if the flowers were all right. And he's a bit like, why are you like defending why you were in here? Weird. Weird. <laughs> why are you so fancy? Uh, and then as she leaves, the Doctor also notices... Okay, I don't really understand why these windows make different noises, but he basically notices the windows are long ones that lead out to the terrace and essentially they wouldn't make the noise that he heard. So he's like... Hmm, where did that a noise come door. from? A secret door! Oh my god, that'd be so much better than one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes around and he's kind of like, what made that noise? Sorry, um, why so nosy? Yeah, quite idly, and more to distract myself from painful thoughts than for any other reason, I amused myself by trying to guess what could have caused the sound in question. I can think of a game. <laughs> I watch a little game. Calls god, on the, the things we did before technology. <laughs> Calls on the fire? No. That was not the kind of noise at all. A drawer of a bureau pushed in? No, not that. Then my eye was caught by what I believe is called a silver table, the lid of which lifts, and through the glass of which you can see the contents. I crossed over to it, studying the contents. There were one or two pieces of old <clears throat> silver, a baby shoe belonging to King Charles I, and some Chinese jade figures, and quite a number of African implements and curios. Wanting to examine one of the jade figures more closely, I lifted the lid. It slipped in my fingers and fell. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> I thought it was going to smash, but all it is, he's like, oh yes, I recognise the sound. That was it. That's what I've heard. I've heard the uh, silver table being closed. So, <laughs> creepy. Um, quite a lot of, oh yeah. Then, so probably so, she was just dusting. Probably. Um, so uh, he's like looking at the silver table, being all nosy, when Flora comes in. Quite a lot of people do not like Flora Ackroyd, but nobody can help admiring her. Ew. And to her friends, she can be very charming. The first thing that strikes you about her is her extraordinary fairness. She has the real Scandinavian pale gold hair. Her eyes are blue, blue as the waters of the Norwegian fjord. And her skin is cream and roses. She has square boyish shoulders and slight hips. <laughs> Sorry. 
fuck off. It's so weird. Um, Sorry, is this podgy little old doctor judging her? Not something wrong with that. I think he's still, oh wait, he's still five in her. And to a jaded medical man, it is very refreshing to come across such a perfect health. Ew. A simple, straightforward English girl. I may be old-fashioned, but I think the genuine article takes quite a lot of beating. Ew! I'm going to be sick. Also, I've written ew, but I thought I'd written or, and I was like, that's cute. That's not cute. <laughs> that's not cute. That, that's not cute at all. That's not cute at all. That's disgusting. <laughs> ew. ew. Oh, I think I might have written ew. 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 That's so... Takes, does take quite a lot of beating. <laughs> so gross. Sorry, you've got to throw the whole man away. In the bin. It's, it's, no, it's done. So, but we are at time and there's too much to get through because shit is about to kick off. <gasps> what a so, so we're going to leave it there. We have met Flora and uh, we are at Fernley Park and Roger is still alive. Katie is going to eat her microphone. Tempting. Yeah, this is where we're at. So... Katie, take it from here so I can highlight where I got to in my notes. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, guys. It's been a long time since I've done the plugs. Mm. Um, you can follow us on Instagram, on... Instagram? That's pretty much all we do. And you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can. You yep. can also, if you really liked what you heard here today, you can join us over at Patreon. Mm-hmm. And there's some cool stuff over there. We've got different, lots of different tiers. tiers. Basically, a lot of people say it this way. If you like what we do and you think, you know... Damn it, I'd like to buy those girls a coffee. Well, you can buy us a coffee. You can buy us an extraordinarily cheap coffee once a month. And that is our Patreon subscription. And there's two of us. Yeah. You don't buy it. The equivalent We're of sharing. Yeah. We don't mind. We don't even like to touch. Yeah. <laughs> so do us a favour. Buy us a coffee. If you want to. If you want to. And it helps not, us guys, out. We will see you next week where it is shit is going to be kicking off. Oh, it really is. I kind of really structured is. this for it to end on a massive cliffhanger and we haven't had time to go into it. So we're going to be kicking off with some fucking drama. Oh, drama. Yeah. All right, well, thanks, guys. See you next week. See you next week, guys. Bye. Bye. For fuck's sake. Bye.